One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass with me, Harriet Minter, Emma Sexton, and Natalie Campbell. On this week's show, we've cherry-picked the very best bits from our Talk Radio radio show. And we meet Lucy Fry, who talks about being in a polyamorous relationship, a queer polyamorous relationship, and just what it's taught her about communication, honesty, and love. Plus, we meet the author of possibly our favourite book title ever, Warriors, Witches and Women. If you have ever found yourself in the position where you really love someone, but you wonder if potentially you might love somebody else too, is that possible? Our next guest is here to talk about how and why it could be and how and why it could work. Lucy Fry is the author of Easier Ways to Say I Love You, uh, an honest, open and true story about journey into polyamory. Hi, Lucy. Hi there. Uh, so tell us to start with your living situation to begin with. So you were married and your wife was pregnant. This is where this starts, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky start. Um, <laughs> I was civilly partnered. I think we had been um, together for about eight years and um, my wife was at the, at the time the book opens my wife was about eight nine weeks pregnant as far as I remember yeah and had you up until this point you've been together eight years you'd never talked about having an open relationship or yeah, yeah we had we had but we'd done it in a really bad way in that we just hadn't properly talked about it we joked about it and I got the impression that it was kind of okay I'd say that the door wasn't open it was more ajar <laughs> um, so yeah we didn't have really kind of um adult ethical discussions about it we we sort of buried those a bit were you were you both on the same page and that the, both of your your uh, doors were ajar but you had not that or what, did you feel like it was actually a bit one-sided and but one t- of you was yeah it turns out my wife was quite open and i didn't know right <laughs> okay. so you know there was, there was sort of um there was bad behavior on both sides and i think once we started really talking openly about it we were like this is this is not good this is not what we want. This is not what love is to us. So, um, yeah, and I, and I had often thought about what it would be like to be with other people. So I suppose we just, I don't know, we just thought there's got to be a different way of doing things. Mm. And I think when you say that, you know, so actually when we talked about it, we're like, this is not good. What we're talking about there is the concept of actually 
what we would, I guess, traditionally call cheating. Yeah, cheating. Yeah. And cheating is a very different thing in the, mm -hmm. in the ethical non-monogamy monogamy world. I can't even say it anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, cheating is, is about lying and deceiving. Yeah. And I want to wake up every day and know who I'm lying next to and know the important things that I should know so that I can make a conscious choice to stay with them or to leave. Mm. And I want them to know those things about me. Are you still a polyamorous couple? Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, love changes, and and my both. I'm in two relationships, and they're both very different. I'd say that one is more romantic, and one's more friendship. But I, the love is absolutely there for both. So, yeah, I would say I identify more as polyamorous than monogamous. Um, certainly, yeah. And so, for people listening, they're going, well, hang on. What do we mean when we talk about polyamory? Is this just a way to basically have your cake and eat it? Yeah, you get, I get that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, it means having more than one love stroke sexual relationship, romantic, erotic relationship at a time with everybody knowing about it. Um, yeah, that's what it means. Uh, is it a way to have your cake and eat it? You can look at it that way. It's also a way to get quite full on too much cake. <laughs> um, it, it can be pretty exhausting, all the, all the chats. All the chats. No wonder some people draw up contracts. I couldn't bear it. I hate, I hate rules. <laughs> so we've spoken about this um, quite a bit on the show over the years uh, in the context that um, relationships, couples, monogamous relationships is a relatively new construct communities have been living in a polyamorous way for since the beginning of time mm. religion comes in and other things and, and sort of changes this but actually when we dig deep more people are happier when almost the chain of of this sort of weight that's been put on them that the, you know the contract that they signed is, has been removed based on the guests that we've had on the show did you feel freer moving into being openly polyamorous mm. and removing the lies and the cheating and the other things? Mm. Um, I felt more, actually, I don't know if I did feel more peaceful. I feel more peaceful now. Mm. Um, it was it was hard to break open. It mm. was hard and there was a lot of jealousy and there was a lot of pain and suffering for all three of us, actually. Mm. Um, and certainly in my wife and my relationship. Um, and, you know, my girlfriend felt out on the outside and felt a lot of pain of her own about being left out. And we all unconsciously um, pulled towards us all the things that we needed to kind of exercise, I suppose, and all the difficult things we needed to go through. Did I feel more... I'm definitely more happy now without feeling that the person that I'm with and I'm committed to, I have to be with and monogamous forever. Mm. I like the idea that there's a conversation that can be had between any of us at any point in time. Mm. It feels much more adult and actually much more respectful of, uh, of the other person and how life can go. Um, I wouldn't say that polyamory has made me any happier than monogamy. I think mm. happiness kind of comes and goes and it's about a number of factors. Mm. I don't recommend it as a way of kind of suddenly feeling better about your life. Do you, do you feel in a way more fulfilled though because i think we you know society kind of gears everybody towards a monogamous relationship and the theory is that you meet this person they become your everything and you mm -hmm. live together happy ever after and we put an enormous amount of pressure then on that one person being the, the everything to us mm -hmm. so i'm interested in polyamory from a from a point that actually you can get not everything from one partner, but from, you know, more than one partner. Do you do you feel more fulfilled emotionally, physically? Yeah, I definitely, I feel that there's far less pressure on each person as well, and on me. Mm. Um, 
It's so hard to say whether I feel more fulfilled or not because that, that that's so many and my work yeah. matters to me because being a parent matters to me because there, mu right? there must be some reward because you have talked you know you've lightly touched on what a struggle it has been for you and your partner to actually get to the get to the point where you are feeling more peaceful so clearly there is a, there's a benefit and a desire to want to be polyamorous yeah, right for you I, to, to go through that i think the thought of just kind of sleeping with the same person um and being intimate on every level because it's not just about sex with the same person um for the rest of my life suddenly utterly terrified Does me okay. and i don't think that that necessarily meant that person was entirely wrong for me I don't think those two things match up. Yeah. I think it's quite sensible to be terrified at yeah. age 35, I was at the time, at the thought of sleeping with the same person. I don't know why I went into it. I didn't know anything different. Um, I didn't know there were other options there. It's quite a weighty expectation, especially if we could live to like over 100 now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you're like... <laughs> be very sexually yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> like, who knows? <laughs> but well, yeah, it, do it does work for some people to have that one person. Um, Emma and I are definitely, H, H is on the, you're, you're more on the quote romantic love side of things where <laughs> Emma and I, Emma's like 10 years and you, and you want every yeah, decade. Yeah, a new man every decade, yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely, I could be in an open relationship, um, because my, I want to wake up every day and say, do we love each other mm, and yeah. do, do that check-in every day and, and recommit every single day and i want the public proclamation mm. of a marriage and none of the other stuff um but yeah i said yeah, i um I, I go back and forth on it because i i do think we are we're coupling up and we couple up in our late 20s mid 30s mm. and say you're going to be with that person for potentially 70 years mm. is quite a long time mm. Um, I look at some of my best friends, though, and I've been best friends with them for 20, 25, 30 years. And I'm like, well, I've had you in my life for 30 years. Yeah. So that doesn't mean I can't have anybody else. But I haven't had you exclusively yeah. in my life yeah. for 30 years. And every day. And every day. With all your habits. With all your really annoying habits. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, so I don't know. I go back and forth. I do see some people who make open relationships work really beautifully. Mm. My big caveat on it, and you said this earlier, Lucy, there's a lot of talking. Mm. There is a lot of being very in touch with your emotions, about being very emotionally honest about what is going on with you, and also a lot of very, very good diary management, which is never, none of those things mm. are my strong point. So true. <laughs> so true. At one point, my wife would put a massive chart on the wall, and there were different coloured stars for everything, and it was on holiday when... <laughs> I absolutely hated it. I, I just, I, that had made me feel more trapped than marriage and monogamy ever had. Yeah. Um, that came down fairly quickly. Do you all live together in the same place no, or not? Okay. No. Yeah. Um, I live uh, in Tooting. My wife lives in Tooting and yeah. um, my girlfriend lives in Brighton. Okay. Um, so I'm constantly back and forth between Brighton and Tooting. Tooting South London. Sorry, I'm so, I'm so metrocentric. <laughs> and so if somebody's listening to this mm. and thinking, it's like the girls do, like, oh, potentially, yeah, we could do this, we could make it work. What are some of the things that you need to, I guess, be aware of mm. before you go into it? I mean, things that I would like to tell my younger self yeah. um, <laughs> include, uh, don't, you know, when you open up a relationship, it will shine a light on all the cracks in that relationship. It will not mm. plaster the cracks. Um, so I would advise people to do the opposite of what we did and actually really, really think about it. 
to have lots of chats about it. Lots of chats, Harry. Lots, <laughs> lots of chats. All the chats. Lots and lots of chats. Oh, good. Um, talking about our feelings yeah, again, right? Talk about, <laughs> talk about everything. Um, maybe even write some stuff down. Um, work out what do you think cheating means? What mm. do you think sex means? What do you think um, love is? And, and those kind of things. Because it can get really messy mm. when you go, but I thought that was allowed. And mm. they're like, what, in what world did you think it was okay to wear my T-shirt for your date? Mm. No, that <laughs> yeah, didn't actually happen. I'm giving you the clean yeah, version. But, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> that stuff happens. And, and yeah. it really hurts people. And, it's, and, and you know, like any relationship, um, an open relationship can be incredibly destructive. Mm. Do you think you you have a, a better relationship with your wife now because you've had these conversations now and because you've worked through this stuff? Do you feel that actually you've got a stronger relationship? I mean, if there was 200%, I would say that. Yeah. yeah. And also with my girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. And have they all met? Do oh, they? Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah. There's a bit about halfway through the book where they where we all get to know each other extremely well. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Sharing is caring. Everyone who's listening to that is now like, ordering the book, turning to that page. Yes, uh, please. <laughs> if it sells more coffee, so I'm really <laughs> Uh, we're going to keep chatting to Lucy because I really want to talk to you about a couple of things, particularly about parenthood and parenting mm. and this and how you talk about it, uh, and also about attachment and mm. how like our childhood and our mm. experience in the world feed into that because I'm just fascinated in why some people love in the way they do. Uh, if you're also interested, we're going to keep talking to Lucy after this break. The Badass Women's Hour is Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. Three women, one podcast and a whole load of badass. And sometimes some puppies. Lucy, before the break, we were talking about like how we, how you and your wife and girlfriend all make it work. But I really want to talk about also how you make it work as parents. Mm. So because surely this like is a brings up questions of how do we teach our children about relationships, and then also how do you deal with the inevitable a thousand and one questions from parents at the school gates. Mm. My son's two and a half, so I haven't got there yet. And I scuttle away from nursery as quickly as possible. Um, I mean, we, we don't all live together, so nobody really needs to know our business unless they need to know. I think that those issues will come later when um, my son begins to talk about, about home life. And it, for me, it's been about um, sharing age-appropriate stuff, but he, it, it's sort of a bit context-dependent. He's known my girlfriend since he was born. Yeah. Um, and she, uh, he adores her, and they have a kind of godmother, um, godson relationship. And she has her own child, so she doesn't want to be a parent to my child, but she's very, very important uh, to him, and vice versa. And how do you think it's going to change how you talk to your son about relationships and how to have relationships? Because mm. I think as a parent, this is one of the most difficult issues to discuss in any way, shape, or form. Mm. And then actually. I don't know, maybe kind of through polyamory, you actually have a better understanding of what makes relationships and therefore how you talk about them. Yeah, I mean, I think polyamory has been a way in for me to learn about conscious relationship building, which may sound a bit naff, but it is kind of what, what I now believe in, whether it's mm -hmm. monogamous or polyamorous or, or whatever kind of relationship it is. Even a friendship. I've broken up with a friend before once in my mm -hmm. life, and it was extraordinary. We broke up with each other. Um, so I will talk to him in a way that I hope is is a lot more informed about how to have relationships and how to be honest. And I, the thing that I've learned that I really want to model and pass on is that my own needs are okay. It's okay for me to have needs and it's okay for me to need space because I've been very bad at asking for space. And I've been very good at agreeing to everybody else's demands. And having been in the middle with two women 
which sounds like a dream, <laughs> doesn't it, so, um, for me? But it, it actually wasn't. It was sometimes yeah, you've got like good being boundaries, right? If you've got yeah, I don't know. I've had to yeah. learn on the job. Right. <laughs> yeah, we can we can talk about the childhood yeah. aspect of that later. But I never grew up with particularly good boundaries. So, um, I yeah, all of this sort of constellated to force me to look at the stuff that was going wrong in my life, and mm. lo and behold, it was going wrong in my work life. It was going wrong everywhere. The boundary issue. Um, so suddenly, if you have two relationships, you have to learn boundaries quite quickly. So tell us more about this. Tell us how you feel your kind of childhood and upbringing has led you here, I guess. Um, I pause because it's very difficult to talk about childhood without assigning or without appearing to assign blame to parents. Mm -hmm. And I really have tried to get across in the book that this is about my journey from kind of unconscious materials, conscious material. This is about me learning that actually my parents did absolutely the best that they could. And yet there were things that I experienced that made my life difficult. So I think that I haven't had great boundaries and I've often agreed to other people's demands or I've maybe wanted so much love to fill that kind of hole in the soul, if you want, because of some early trauma, um, because of some separation trauma that I experienced. Mm. It's all in the book, you know, as a baby and then um, as a seven-year-old seven and an eight-year-old. And um, a lot of that was just my parents trying to do their best. They wanted me to go to boarding school like my brother and sister. I wanted to go to boarding school. I went lots of stuff came up and it was awful. I had acute separation anxiety and I was really traumatized. After 10, 12 days, I came home. But it wasn't then dealt with very well in terms of dealing with trauma the way that we know now. We're yeah. talking 1988, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, so some of that stuff left me with an incessant need for reassurance and love and attention, I guess. Um, or at least, yeah, I had, I had high levels of anxiety and I think that played out in the speed at which I kind of went into polyamory without really thinking and also not being able to address the issues in my current relationship before moving into opening it up. So before um, entering into a civil partnership, did you also go into other relationships quite quickly? Yes, and actually I only, it, it gets a bit kind of muddy because I, I don't know how much is about sexuality because I only ever went out with men before mm. um, I met my partner B and then within two years we were civilly partnered and I look back and we both look back and think why did we do that like we didn't have to do it mm -hmm. and I think I wanted us to be accepted by mm -hmm. the elders in my <laughs> life um and you know I we both wore dresses and I sort of wanted to show that we could both wear dresses because somebody had said to me you're the man because you asked her to marry you and it annoyed me mm -hmm. but actually I would have loved to wear a kick-ass trouser suit mm -hmm. with heels you know mm -hmm. I, I just didn't do the things I wanted to do um so yeah, I had gone into relationships really quickly and then ended really quickly and then I'd crashed and it was just all very addictive, really. Mm. I, so this, I was just going to, because you're um, training to be a psychotherapist. Yes. And it, it's, is it that you've had you know, multiple perspectives and in hindsight you can put lots of patterns together in your own behaviour that has sent you on, on that pathway and mm. that journey and then, the, you know, the, the desire to help other people mm. or... Is it something that you've always wanted to do? No, I've always wanted to be a writer. That's my first love in terms of what I wanted to do. I remember the moment when I was eight and I was absolutely like, I had some story published in a school magazine and everyone thought it was great. And I was like, right, yes, this is it. And I'm still trying. <laughs> it never ends. You never actually get there. But um, no, psychotherapy uh, was a, came out of having lots of therapy, mm -hmm. came out of needing lots of therapy mm -hmm. and the kind of transformation there. And now I, I love the work and I love what I'm learning. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, it's a secondary thing. 
I just want to go back to your your how you're living now. It seems that you, you know you, you've you spent a time where you've kind of been conforming or pleasing other people or mm. trying to you know not be fully authentic in the way that you are now. And I guess my question is how how do you maintain that? You've you've clearly designed a life or, or created a life for yourself uh, and your partners that's very conscious. But how do you stick with that when the whole world mm. is giving? different signals like your your even your living arrangements is not what people would seem conventional you know you so how do you how do you maintain that is that hard or do you just feel very like yeah i mean i don't know how much i'm allowed to swear on this program not at all i'm not going to i'm definitely not going to i've had three women on me tonight um yeah no um it's been very hard um so i won't use any word but very 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 hard and and yeah i've still got shame that comes up i've always had a lot of stuff around being a bit different i mean i'm not that different you know i'm a white middle class woman who grew up in wandsworth but in my family i was different I'm the only kind of creative the one who's chosen to sort of write or do something like that for a living i'm the only gay one i'm the only one who's sort of majorly turned against religion it's that kind of thing of feeling like the black sheep and now it's just exacerbated but there is a very um strong queer community that i sometimes kind of feel a part of but then i also feel a part of the psychotherapy community and i feel a part of the writing community so i think it is about finding your tribe mm. um but yeah it's really hard the judgment everywhere i mean from the from the comments in the articles i write if i write something for the mail i mean i get uh, the comments there to mm. just another another parent um or a uh, grandparent or you know everyone's yeah. got something to say about it if, asked, do you you and your wife live together um yeah we do yeah okay so because when you said where you lived i was like and they don't even live together maybe they live next door to each other which is like <laughs> the, the dream, dream. That is the dream and it's funny you say that because that's actually sort of in progress which is why I hesitated so um, I, I mean the book ends chronologically in May uh, last year and I'm sort of thinking about following it up with something so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of keeping things under wraps. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, okay. Okay. But did you hear us in in, in harmony say the, the dream? dream. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It is the dream. I mean, the the towels on the floor they can they can hang out, man. No, I'm the right. tidy one. <laughs> I'm the irritated one. No, she hates being tidied up. It's awful. Um, just to kind of I guess finish around, but and you talked about this concept of conscious relationships mm. and doing relationships consciously, and I. I'm really, I'm really curious about this at the moment. I think it's really important. I think too often we just sort of fall into things and we meet somebody and we, we're really attracted to them and then it just, that's it. And then you're together. Um, and I'm in the middle of reading this book that would uh, completely freak out the person I'm saying. But anyway, I'm in the middle of reading a book called, uh, I think what's it? something like The Seven Signs of a Successful Marriage or something like that. Oh, Gottman. It's Gottman. Yeah. yeah, John Gottman. Everyone go read some John Gottman. It's amazing. Um, but it's really like how you consciously create a relationship. And I wondered for you, if there's stuff that you've learned now that anytime you go into a new relationship, you're like, mm. okay, consciously, what do I need to do here? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wish I'd done things slower in the past. I look back at myself at sort of 26, 28, and I want to go, stop. <laughs> um, it's okay to just, you know, be you for a bit. But yeah, I would, I would definitely say, um, take your time. That's what I wish that I could do. And there's, and, and I've completely changed the way that I think about relationships now. I don't, I don't try and get stuff from someone else. I don't expect someone else to fix me in the same way. Mm -hmm. I don't, um, 
I forgive people much more quickly for not being able to be there for me 100%. I think I was really quite demanding. In fact, I know what my wife would tell you I was. <laughs> and I was also very addicted, you know, I was, I was, I drank a lot and I smoked a lot and I, I used a lot to make myself uh, feel better. I kind of had to absorb life from other other people. But now I know that the source is within, which sounds way more corny than I intended. <laughs> um, but yeah, so conscious relationship building is really, you know, where do I end and you begin? And mm. can I constantly know where that where that line is? How would your wife say that your relationship has changed? She'd say we're much less codependent, so we're much less sort of enmeshed in, in each other's business um, and that I know that that space has given her, she would say, it gives her the space to look at me and want me and see me for who I am rather than just sort of, we don't text all day every day anymore. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, uh, can you do it? And I try to avoid the text where I just tell her I can't find a parking space and I'm annoyed. Is that right? <laughs> okay, yeah. It's that kind of stuff where, you know, over time you just you feel like some, a tree in someone's mm. life, yeah. not a person with your own stuff going on. So, and I think she would say that she feels much freer and she wants to pursue other connections, which and is you, the official term. Yeah. And, and do you, and you feel okay about her seeing other people then? You, I feel... mean, our relationship has changed so much that I now do feel okay about mm -hmm. it. I'm not sure how I'd feel about my girlfriend seeing other people mm -hmm. um so it's interesting that you can feel jealous about one partner and not about the mm -hmm. other according to kind of how uh, you know i'd say my relationship with my wife is far calmer it's far more passionate with my girlfriend they're, they're different entities mm -hmm. and i feel different things and jealousy is is present in life everywhere jealousy is present in monogamous relationships guys mm -hmm. yeah. oh yeah and, yeah you know yeah. so yeah i i don't know i we'll see i've i've reacted quite strangely to my wife seeing people, I've sort of got annoyed when I didn't expect to and vice versa. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting why we have this innate nature to not want to share our, the partner that we're romantically involved in. I like don't want to share a cheese sandwich. You know? That's <laughs> a good point. I don't know why I'm me. doing this I to myself. Share I'm not a share. <laughs> Natalie doesn't share anything. She doesn't share chips. They're really small. They don't share tapas. Come on, exactly. She won't even share pizza or chips, Lucy. It's like... Mm. Okay, there I draw <laughs> no the line. for you, mate. <laughs> open relationship. <laughs> Joker. Yeah, totally open. Until, <laughs> Until the chips. Yeah. <laughs> um, final question, Lucy. I wanted to ask you about the dedication at the front of the book. Yes. It's for A and B with love and hate. Can you tell us about that? There's a running theme through the book, uh, which only came out as I was writing it. And I was sort of writing a lot of it as all of this happened, um, which is that I'm able to hate and to love at the same time. And that actually, hate is often um, not opposite to love, but equal. Mm -hmm. And I suppose now I see that a really loving relationship can contain hate within it. I see hate as like this little black ball in the middle and then love as this sort of container around it. I think we need to allow ourselves to hate to hate in the moment the way that children do. I hate you. They don't mean I hate you always. They mean right now I feel hate. And actually, so that's very, very important. It's a sort of loving dedication with love and hate. And um, actually, my girlfriend and I often say I hate you to each other. Instead, well, what we mean is I love you, but it's just yeah. become a bit of a thing. I hate you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lucy Fry. Easier ways to say I love you, like Thank I you. hate you. Uh, <laughs> That's the next one. <laughs> it is out now, and um, I think you can tell it's going to be a great read. Go pick it up. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is the Badass Women's Hour podcast. You can get in touch on all the socials on at Badass Women's Hour. Now, let's get back to our guest. Uh, now, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that we love highlighting some women who might have otherwise got a bit lost in history. Mm. And usually we highlight the women that history thinks have done great things. But this week, we're highlighting some of the ones that have been up to some more nefarious acts, fiddling around with magic and mayhem, and we love them for it. Uh, new book, Warriors, Witches, Women by Kate Hodges, uh, mythology's fiercest females. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, tell us what it was that made you decide you wanted to write about these darker women? Well, I think I have always been interested in the darker side. Even when I was, watch, when I used to watch films when I was a, ch- a child, I wasn't really interested in the heroines. I was interested in the female baddies because mm-hmm. they always looked like they're having a fun <laughs> time. The the they did just, yeah, the best lines. They got in on the action. They were in the climactic scenes. You know, they wouldn't wait around to be rescued. They were mm-hmm. doing the doing the the, the, the bad point. stuff, doing the malicious <laughs> stuff. I loved it, and I think that's that's kind of always stayed with me. I've always been into watching films of the darker side and reading comics, reading books of the darker side, and I think kind of via that like I come at things through, through a kind of cultural way rather than rather an academic way so that's 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 kind of my my way into to these to these nefarious women mm. and when you're talking about witches no warriors witches and women uh, give us some examples of some of the people that you chose that fit each of those categories perhaps okay so um um, in the witches category, I think my favourite witch is Baba Yaga, mm-hmm. who she was a, a Slavic witch in, um, in in folk tales in Russia, and she I, I just love her look, and she's kind of got this cracked face, which and and, and iron teeth, and she would come whistling in and her, her in a giant um, mortar and pestle, and 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 she she. Um, her house was a hut on chicken legs, which I love. I love the idea of having a hut on chicken legs that runs around the forest. Um, in the warriors, I love Artemis. Mm. She's, she's just kind of bounding around the countryside, mm. hunting with all her female friends and, and living out in the open air. And I think that's kind of, you know, I think that sounds quite dreamy, dreamy lifestyle. 
when you when you were researching these did you do you find out where these like stories come from because where these characters are, are born out of you know like who was the first person who came up with with the character with the Probably the yeah. house yeah on chicken legs for instance like i think it's really difficult to pin down who was the first i mean you can you can pin down when she was first written about when she was first kind of fully codified and and appeared in print but i think these stories have been around for centuries if not thousands mm. of years and sometimes they kind of they, people will evolve and characters will mm. evolve so they might have their roots in some goddess you know some water spring goddess and then eventually the different roots she'll kind of kind of come become something else and then twist and turn and she, her story be retold and retold and used by different people and and then eventually she'll end up in her kind of final form and and yeah it's, it's kind of it's 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 difficult to to say to pinpoint exactly yeah. when a lot of these people are these, originated. Are these more, are these are cultural tales, not religious tales, or is there a mixture of the two in here? Yeah, there's a mixture of the two. There are religious tales. There's straightforward religious tales. But I, I think often it's difficult to, to differentiate mm, between yeah. the two, you know, yeah. what makes... And also, some some goddesses kind of become become folk tales. So there's, there's people like um, Berta, from, from, um, who's a German goddess, and... It, it, a lot of people think that she was originally, you know, pre, an almost prehistoric goddess that was worshipped. And that then she got absorbed into folk tales, and and now she's kind of more of a cultural figure. And and uh, it kind of it kind of weaves and changes, mm -hmm. and people kind of use use the use them for their own purposes. One of the things I loved about the book is that it really does travel around the world. Yeah. So you found women which is warriors from all over the world um one of whom would i'm uh, just reading here futakuchi uno who's a japanese supernatural beast yeah and so how did you start mm. did did you know about these women before you got to them or have you been kind of picking them up along the way well some of them are picked up along the way um i was particular i was interested in her i've always i i, I um, there's there's a kind of pantheon of japanese ghosts and monsters and and i've always been fascinated i, I actually researched them for a magazine article kind of 15 years ago and it's always mm. it's kind of lurked in the back of my mind that i'd love to pull out some of those stories and d dive a bit deeper into them at some point and this book kind of gave me the chance to pull all of those it was it it was actually it was really self-indulgent i got to go back and revisit some of the some of the stories that i'd i'd kind of looked at over the years yeah. and and to kind of go back and go deeper into them and find out a bit more and futakuchi ono is really interesting she she's of this woman who's outwardly she has a very sort of small appetite and she's she's very decorous but at night she transforms and a mouth opens up in the back of her head and she goes and she feeds herself rice balls and, and goes and gorges on food from from the fridge which you know <laughs> I mean, we've, we've all been there, yeah. exactly yeah so i mean i think you know a lot of these stories still have a lot of resonance for, for women today yeah. so to that point is there a sort of a theme that's that runs through all all of them um, in terms of these women their narrative or the things that they've done I think the, there is a I guess the overarching theme is I'm trying to I'm reframing these from a feminist mm -hmm. perspective I'm reframing these stories from a feminist perspective I'm looking at why these women were uh, were either either kind of came into being or, or mm -hmm. why their stories have survived mm -hmm. and um, 
I guess I'm, I'm trying to reclaim some of them as well. You know, try to try to go a bit deeper. They're not necessarily beasts and monsters. I, I, I kind of want to find out what the real story is behind them. So that's the version of we think we think that they are beasts and monsters and we think they are on the dark side. But actually, I mean, like she was just just hungry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nine o'clock like most people. Yeah, I know. So. And I mean, it almost almost it's like though she she perhaps was born of you know, there was so much repression that, that that it almost manifested itself. Mm. You know, it's and and, and I think. And, you know, uh, yeah, they, they have resonance with women today, these stories. The book is really beautifully illustrated. And how, when you were writing it, did you have that as a vision for it? Did you know you wanted it to be something visual? Yeah, I think I think these stories, are, they're not just colourful and colourful stories. They, they, the, 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 the women are so, are so full of life and so fantastical that it really needed Harriet Lee Merion's illustrations to kind of bring it to life and I think they really do pop off the page I mean they're sort of yeah. really eye-catching yeah I've just opened the page Sorry. on uh, Kali Kali, Kali yeah. is it the Hindu yeah. goddess she's basically blue she's got her tongue out and then she's got a head of a man on a on a tray and she's got eight arms I kind of feel like she that's our logo. it's yeah. a very strong look she was in our goddess cards this week mate Oh, was she? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, she basically the goddess in this book features in in our lives um, in multiple ways. Oh yes, I'm just yes. Okay. So we talk. So actually, you know, if you're listening at home, you're probably thinking, you know, I never never heard of any of these um, goddesses, but they do feature whether they're Greek goddesses or stories that that you've heard and that have been passed down, and you do sort of forget them and it's only just looking through the names I'm like oh yeah and oh yeah and her and her yeah I think and and a lot of them kind of feature in 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 pop culture Mm. you know you'll see films you see Medusa in films and 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 a lot of them will pop up and it's I've kind of really enjoyed picking up you know Beyonce um channeled a whole load of different goddesses um in her lemonade video Mm. and 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 you know I think people still kind of draw on but to the point about Medusa Sinbad was always trying to steal something from her. I would have snakes coming out of my head <laughs> every time I went to get some food from the fridge. Some guy rocks up on a ship and tries to steal my stuff. Well, I think that's a good point. I think a lot of these goddesses are actually acting quite reasonably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, reasonable women. Well, we change yeah. book to reasonable, reasonable women. women. <laughs> I really like. Uh, there's one here called uh, two, really. I guess two. One, Azuli Danta and Azuli Frida, and they're Haitian love goddesses, and I, one goddess, but essentially the two sides of women. So one flirty and charming, the other steely and principled. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I love this idea that actually there's this kind of understanding which we don't maybe have in culture now that it is possible for women to be both. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think a lot of these um, stories kind of illustrate duality, mm. and it is possible for women to have a, a dark side and to, to kind of channel anger, but at the same time be righteous yeah. and and i think i think that's what that's what a lot of these stories and yeah i think uh, these two goddess, goddesses are, are really really interesting these voodoo goddesses because they do reflect two sides two sides of women and they you, you can choose or you can have a kind of combination of the two mm. uh, kind of which what, what what you take from them do you have a favorite in the book the one mm. that you go back to <sighs> I I love um, Mamiwata, who was an African. She kind of sprang from African water 
water um, spirits and kind of became codified as this mermaid figure. And she's so beautiful and she's totally in love with herself. And she has this absolute confidence and she's associated with money and material goods and she loves <laughs> fine things and jewelry and I, and I love that I love that you can have a goddess who who indulges in all of that but still held up and 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 seen as as a positive role model I love the illustration as well and also that is the first time I have seen a black woman as a mermaid yeah well it's very good point yeah, yeah. Kate, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us about it. Warriors, witches, women, mythologies, fierce as females. Out now, it is absolutely beautiful. Mm, thank you. Uh, I'm going to be gifting it to all the fierce females I know. So thank you very much for coming in and sharing it with us. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Badass Women's Hour. If you like the show, then help more people find us. You can tag us or talk to us on social media using at Badass Women's Hour. Or you can be really lovely and leave us a review and a rating. Five stars, please. It helps boost us up the podcast rankings and allows other people to find us. We'll be back next week with more Badass Guests and in-depth chat. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.